uh, glad that y'all are here this morning. Um, yeah, I hadn't actually seen the painting, to be honest with you. So, yeah, it's pretty good job, Laura. I'll give you a passing grade on that. Fantastic. A. A plus. All right. Man, so uh, if you're a first time at Vintage, welcome. I'm Steve Hambrick, lead pastor here, and uh, grateful that you're here. If you're here to be with your mom, maybe, uh, especially thank you for honoring your mom and being here today. And so we are glad uh, that you're here and thankful uh, for what God is doing in our midst and believe he has a word for you this morning. We are in a, a season uh, where we're talking about kingdom power, this word from Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where Jesus speaking, he says, when the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive, you will receive power from the Holy Spirit. Then he goes on and says, and you'll do be witnesses, my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And then Literally, the rest, of, the rest of Acts is really the acts of the apostles, the actions of the apostles, where he literally is they're expressing this power in the way that they live their life. We said, and this is important, we talked about that we're empowered to do the works of Jesus, and the works can be classified in two very simple ways. One is the fruit of God's Spirit, right, the fruit of God's Spirit. You're empowered to express love, joy. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. I, I said last week, but I'll say it again, that when I share the gospel with someone, sometimes it's not the words I say, but it's the fruit of God's Spirit itself that woos and draws people in. It's the power of His Spirit that draws them through the fruit that you exhibit. But we also then have the gifts of the Spirit, or the, the signs and wonders, right? These miracles and healings and the gift of prophecy on the line, all the gifts of the Holy Spirit that... We we see you exhibit in the life of Jesus, then that are exhibited in the life of the disciples. And again, Jesus says, if you don't believe in me in John 10 and John 14, at least believe on the works, because only God could do those works, right? No man could create those. Only God can do those things. And so we recognize and we see that in the Acts of the Apostles that, that they're doing the things that Jesus did, and it drew people to, to Jesus. It didn't draw people to themselves. We're going to see that this morning, but it drew people to Jesus. And we see in Acts 2 where it says where 3,000 people believed. And we see in Acts 3 and 4 that then at least two more thousand people believed, just men. That doesn't include women and children. And so, so with those, it's a powerful exhibition of, of God's love through God's power being brought to human beings like us. Those who believe, that's the, that's the prerequisite, that you simply believe in Jesus, not just head knowledge, but a complete heart conviction that he is Lord, I lean in. The picture of this is I have faith and trust. I lean into Jesus so that if he steps away, I fall. That's how I trust. I lean into have faith and belief in him. And so with that this morning, it's a beautiful picture of Jesus's love for us. It's for you, for all who believe. Now, Today is Mother's Day, and obviously we've already named these. We celebrate every woman because you carry in you, we believe, by design from God, the heart of God, the mother heart of God in a sense, right? He is, he is, he is, he was parental. He placed, he placed his spirit, like he placed his essence both into woman and into man. And so when Eve then began to be the first mother, she was doing that empowered, but the work of God in her, right? And so, 
there's this parental heart of God. He placed it in you as mothers. And, and we celebrate that. We celebrate this understanding of God's heart in you to, to love and to cherish and to fight for and defend. And so no matter what type of mom you are, right, no matter where you are in the, the motherhood spectrum, the reality is God has blessed you. God has put himself into you. And we just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you. Thank you to Jesus for doing it, but thank you for making an impact, engaging and making a difference. And I want you to recognize that the impact you have, not just on your children, but like the people who are around you, like Randall said, if you ever serve back in the children's area, you represent as a, as a, as a, as a woman, you are expressing a mother heart and someone gets to experience you. And I'm not trying to oversell it, but that is like God's power through you. It's like a superpower, literally. And so we're excited for that and thankful. And, and what you're doing is you really are leaving a legacy. You're leaving a legacy. I was reading this past week in the news. Probably some of you saw this. Uh, Warren Buffett owned Berkshire Hathaway, had their annual shareholders meeting. And each year, the highlight for all of those who go is the hearing of Warren Buffett himself. And so on that Saturday, they had a Q&A that he was a part of. And the whole theme uh, of the, uh, the, the whole theme of, the, of this, this whole um, gathering uh, was success, right? The, and they, they defined success as the avoidance of major mistakes. That was this, his whole theme and talking about avoiding major mistakes. And so on Saturday, someone asked a question that I think all of us would have asked, right? Is said, how do we avoid such mistakes, both in investing and in life? And Warren Buffett, in a very thoughtful response, said, I think it's on the screen, you should write your obituary and figure out how to live up to it. It's super simple, right? Write your obituary and figure out how to live up to it. I don't know about you, but I've heard this sentiment many times over the years, actually in church, from people speaking about living a life that matters, what we would call in the church a kingdom life, a kingdom, a life that has kingdom impact. The idea, determine how you want to be known by your loved ones, Determine how you want to be known by your friends. Determine how you want to be known by those who experience you in the world. And then when, like in the ideas that, and when that you begin to live that type of life that you want them to experience from you. What does that look like? What is it, what do you want people to say about you? And the idea of like this obituary, what would be on your tombstone? What may be in your obituary you put in the papers? What is that? And begin to live up to it, the idea, live your obituary. The idea how you lead, how you live, it impacts people. How you live leaves a legacy. And we have to be honest about legacy. Legacy can be good and legacy can be bad. If you grab 20 people, put them in a room and start asking them about their upbringing, start asking them about their parents, you know what's going to happen. There are going to be some people who have success and wins from their parents, like Anna, Catherine, and Sarah. Then you have other people, right? Then you have other people. I mean, kind of like, that's the dumbest joke ever, Dad. And then you have people over here on this other side who, who they 
just had this like squirming in their seat and you know because it's just not going to be a great legacy in the stories that they're telling about their parents right and so the idea is that we can leave a legacy and in all honesty it can be good and it can be bad again today is mother's day and i want to focus on our moms but i want you to recognize the messages for all of us today i want to focus on leaving a a legacy the idea of writing your own obituary and then figuring out how to live it. How do you want your children to describe their experience with you? How do you want the people who are in your life and your neighbors and the people that you work with and your friends, what do you want them to say about you? And then the people who just live around you every day, does it matter to you how they experience you and what they say? The idea is begin to determine now, and then again, this is what we're getting at. Let me just kind of give you the, you know, the secret. Then ask the Holy Spirit to empower you to live that life because you can't do it on your own, but the Holy Spirit wants to empower you. We're going to look at that here in a second. So legacy and relationships, you understand, is defined by a long-lasting impact of particular events or actions that you have on someone else's life, right? I can thankfully say this morning, and a lot of you have heard my story, but my mom left quite a legacy in my life. Most of you know that she was sick my entire life. She had ongoing types of ailments, but, I mean, when I was two years old, I had a vivid, probably traumatic memory of her getting sick, and from that point forward, it was just a step decline till the day she died when I was 23 years old, my last year at University of Georgia, right? Obviously overwhelming, but she was sick my entire life. And the image then of her perseverance, her perseverance in the midst of physical debilitation to me was profound. I would ask, I'd go places and people would talk about my mom and I would say, yeah, I say, no, it's really hard for her to get there. It's really hard for her to ever get out of the house because she's sick. And they'd go, What? And I go, yeah, yeah, you know, my mom, she had this debilitating sickness literally my entire life, and it was really hard for her to get there. They said, we had no idea. She was the most life-giving, the most joy-filled, and the happy person at our event. We had no idea. That type of perseverance was profound for somebody who, if it was just I went to bed late at night, woke up in a bad mood, I'm like, my whole day was ruined, right? I had no perseverance in me, and she defined it. She defined it for me. She'd often quote the, the, she goes, well, like, like Job, though he slay me still, I will follow because my hope is always found in him, right? And I'm like, oh, I hate that verse for you, right? I hate that verse for me. But it's true, no matter what happens, no matter what goes on in life, God, I will continue to hope in him from the day till the day she died. She lived in hope and confidence in Jesus' love. Her sacrifice for me of time and energy, right? Her sacrifice of time and energy in light of my complete selfishness. Does that, does that model some of what you feel as moms, maybe, or you experience with your own mom? I'll never forget. This is such a simple story, not even a great example, but the vivid memory I have, I was in third grade. Third grade, like previously, like about, a, about six months before, I caught the largest largemouth bass of my life. And my dad, my dad stuffed it for me, mounted it, and it was hanging on my wall. It was a perfect piece of art and a thing of beauty, right? And so I got to school that day, sometime during the week, right? And it was show and tell. And I had, like, which is my personality, had completely forgotten, right? Completely forgotten it was show and tell. And I'm sitting there going, oh, my gosh, I should have brought my fish. I mean, I was so excited about it. So I said, why can I get that fish? And I said, 
I'll pretend like I'm sick and go home. So I literally went down and said, oh, I'm not feeling well. I went down to the nurse's station. They called Miss Hambrick. Steve's not feeling well. He's not doing great. You should come pick him up. I'm like, it's working, right? And so my mom, just literally not even thinking about my mom's schedule, not thinking about what she has going on in her life. She just comes down and says, oh, Steve, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm not feeling well, mom. So we get in the car, right? And I'm just doing my best to act like I'm sick, right? We get home. And I am so pumped. I mean, this is like totally worked, right? And so I get home, and all of a sudden, she can tell pretty quickly once we get home, I am not doing bad. She's like, so are you hungry? Yeah. So I pull out my lunch that she had made for me. She made me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, right, every single day from first grade all the way to my 12th grade year. I'm just saying that's who my mom was, right? And so I'm sitting here eating my lunch right there on the back porch with her. And she's just looking at I me. Mean, I can literally, I remember she goes, like, you not really that sick, are you? I'm like, uh, well, I, well, hey, so I think I'm feeling okay now. Maybe you should take me back to school. And I, she goes, are you sure? I was like, yes, and let me get my fish before we go, <laughs> right? She's like, oh, right? And she was just like, well, go get it, and I'll take you back to school. And so literally, I went upstairs, grabbed my fish, hopped in the car. She's just looking at me, smiling the entire time, shaking her head, right? And I'm sitting here looking back now going, I was completely self-absorbed. She thought it was hilarious and completely honored my selfishness without taking any regard for herself. I know it's a little story, but it stuck with me in my entire life her my mom an unyielding mama bear heart who would fight for me in all things her life was surrendered to me excuse me surrendered surrendered to see me thrive in life like that's the legacy that she experienced but the probably the greatest legacy that she left behind honestly and i'm just going to make this phrase up but you'll understand it was a gospel legacy a gospel legacy, a life, this is, it's on the screen, but the, you, you get the picture, a life devoted to Jesus, modeling for me what it meant to love Jesus, what it meant to follow Jesus, what it meant to enjoy Jesus, and what it meant to obey Jesus. Honestly, it is her relationship with Jesus that had the greatest impact on my life and my own spiritual life growing up. Her intentionality of slowing down to be with Jesus and to, and to listen to his voice was absolutely profound. If I were to write it down, and I did, right? If I were to write it down to write her own her obituary here, it would sound something like this. And I'll just kind of lay it out. Here lies Kathy Hambrick, a devoted wife and mother who modeled a sacrificial and humble love as a lifestyle, a strong woman of faith who put Jesus first in every area of her life, who loved God with all her heart, all of her soul and mind, and loved every neighbor as she loved herself. She was defined by a palpable selflessness, but was a bulldog when fighting for what and who she believed in, always defending the at-risk, always defending the unborn, and always defending and giving herself to all who are in need. Like, I celebrate that. My mom left behind an amazing legacy. In this season at Vintage, we've spent considerable, t- considerable time talking about 
the legacy of Jesus. Now, we haven't used that phrase, but that's what we've done, right? We talk about the life that Jesus lived. We talk about the things that he did and the legacy, the way that it impacts us today, right? The things that he did and who he was has shaped who we are and how we live, the legacy of Jesus. And so specifically, we've been talking about his life of empowerment, how he was empowered, the life that he lived, doing the, the, the expressing fruit and expressing the gifts. And we've talked about now how we have inherited this empowerment, this gift of the Holy Spirit for all who believe. We've talked about this legacy. We've talked about it in the lives of the disciples in the early part of Acts, how they were received this legacy, this gift from Jesus, and they were empowered. And this morning, I want to look back at at the letter that Paul wrote to the Romans. I want to look at some of the things that Paul did, because what I want you to see, and there's lots of things, lots of legacy traits that defined Paul, but I want to look at three specific traits that defined his legacy, traits that defined who he was, that should be and are impacting us today. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to Romans chapter 15. We look at verses 18 through 20. The idea for us this morning as we talk about these pieces is that no matter who we are, if we're moms or not moms this morning, but specifically focusing on moms, there's a legacy that you're living. And all we want you to do this morning is to be aware of that legacy. We want you to be intentional about it. We want you to recognize, and I'm just going to say this just off the bat, and this is important. If you're leaving a bad legacy and you know it, good news, you're not dead yet, and you can rewrite your obituary. Right? You can rewrite it. You can, allow, you can ask the Holy Spirit, help me to rewrite who I am today so I can leave a different legacy than what I've left so far. Amen. And I don't care what happens. God's grace is poured out, right? His compassion begins to flow, right? He takes all, he takes all, there's just repentance, I turn back to him and forgiveness happens. All of a sudden he says, I'm going to whitewash these pieces and now this is how I'm going to define you and how you're going to be known by it. That's a gift of the Holy Spirit to you this morning. If that is you, let's dive into Romans chapter 15, starting in verse 18, going to verse 20, then we'll kind of skip back in a few minutes just to kind of touch on verse 16. Paul is speaking. He says, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done. So he said, I've spoken, I've said kind of word and deed, said and done. Verse 19, what I've said and done by the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Now, as a reminder, leading up to these verses in verse 16, I'm not going to look at it, but it's just Paul reminds his readers, hey, I've been entrusted with the ministry responsibility of proclaiming the gospel of Jesus to the Gentiles. Now, if you don't know, Gentiles is just a word that's used to describe anyone who is not Jewish. So this morning, it's a pretty big deal. If you're not Jewish this morning, then it means you're a Gentile. Therefore, a legacy that Paul left behind is the preaching of the gospel to people, men and women like you. And so you now have the legacy of the gospel literally in your lineage with Paul because you would not have received it apart from him. So we celebrate this morning. Paul, we're here because of the legacy of Paul's life. 
His intentionality is saying, I've given myself to the ministry of reconciliation, the ministry of preaching the gospel, the ministry of going to those who are outside of the Jewish community, the Jewish people. I'm going to proclaim the good news to them. We used to call them unclean, but God has made them clean, and now I will preach to them this message. Peter, you go to the Jews, I'll go to the Gentiles, and we're here today, the legacy of Paul today, the proclaiming of the good news of the life, the death, the resurrection, and the sending of God's Spirit to people like you and me, Gentiles, non-Jews. We celebrate that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for using Paul. It's a powerful piece, right? Now, that's why we're here. That's the ministry of Paul. So he says in verse 18, I will not venture to speak of anything. It's on the screen. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God, what I've said and done. Paul deflects here. It's important. Paul deflects. He deflects all praise. He deflects all adoration and puts it on Jesus. Paul saw himself in in the scheme of things as an instrument in the hands of Christ and nothing more. Like right now for the Atlanta Braves, I love the number one batter. Who is it? Ronald Acuna. Thank you, Braves fan. Ronald Acuna, man, he's always batting number one in the lineup right the other night. He had like that 457-foot just moonshot into the stands right now. Here's the deal. If you watch that game, every time, listen, when he hit that home run, this is what happened. The camera, the camera focused on Ronald Acuna, right? And then he hit the ball. What did the camera do? Did it focus on Ronald Acuna? Did it focus on, no, did it focus on Ronald Acuna? It did. Because it did not focus on his bat. He didn't hit the home run, and then the camera just zoomed in and started talking about how great the bat was. The instrument that he used to hit the home run, right? It followed the ball, then it came back to Ronald, and it watched as he ran around the bases. Then he got the third base, and his left to right, left to right, little dance thing. Came to Ron Washington, gave him some sort of like high five down here on the way by, and he got to home plate and did this, because he always does it with all his home runs, right? Here's the point. Paul is saying... Jesus is Ronald Acuna, and I'm just the bat, and the camera should never focus on me. That's what he's getting at. He deflects here. He doesn't make it about himself. He's not the Louisville slugger sitting there, put the camera on me, put the camera on me. No, he's saying, just look at Jesus. He's the only one who could accomplish. He did not talk about what he had done, but what Christ had done with him. He never said of anything, I did it. He always said, Christ used me to do it. Paul never made a name for himself, but made a name for Jesus. That was his intentionality. He didn't believe, this is important, he didn't believe in his own ability. If there's anything this culture of Christians needs to hear, is Paul saying, I'm not leaning into or trusting my own ability. How many times do you hear that? Just trust yourself. Oh my gosh, please don't. Right? Don't trust your own abilities. Lean into Jesus. Listen, Christ used me to do it. It's powerful. Listen, that would be a trait that he leaves behind, this idea that he did not believe. Listen, he did not believe in his ability. He believed only in divine enablement. I use that phrase because you don't hear it necessarily at the time, but maybe it sticks better. 
He believed in divine enablement. And that's the legacy I want you to hear from Paul in this verse. You can put it on the screen. Legacy of Paul, the conviction. He lived with this personal heart, mind conviction that an effective life, an accomplished life, required divine enablement, not a belief in self. That's the takeaway. There's lots of things you can say about this verse, lots of things. But this is a specific one about legacy. He lived the conviction. This is the legacy that he left behind, the conviction that an effective life, an accomplished life, required divine enablement, not a belief in self. Second piece, or, see, excuse me, many of us have heard of D.L. Moody, arguably one of the most influential, maybe the most influential church leader in the U.S. from 1850 until his death in 1899. It's been said that the moment of great change in his spiritual life occurred when he was listening to a, to a pastor speak, and the pastor said this one day, it's on the screen, if only one man, and we put man and woman in here, but if only one man would give himself entirely and without reserve to the Holy Spirit, what the Spirit might do with him, right? Holy Spirit ability, not his own. Moody said to himself in the moment, why should I not be that man? In light of this verse and the story of D.L., the theologian William Barclay said one time, it's on the screen, I love this, it is when a human being or a man ceases to think of what he or she can do and begins to think of what God can do with them that things begin to happen. I want you to let that sink in. This should not just go over your head. You should not be distracted about what's happening from others day to day. should be thinking about anything else but this reality. You have been enabled divinely by the Holy Spirit. You can be that one man. You can be that one woman. That's the legacy that you can leave behind. Verse 19 goes on. Says, so he says, I'll just, the last part of verse 18 um, says, Christ has accomplished through me leading the Gentiles to be what I've said and done. So by what I've said, the words that I've used, and the things that I've done, the acts. Verse 19, by the power of signs and wonders, or the power of the Spirit of God, sent from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, or so Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. The language of Paul speaks to our last four weeks. Paul is enabled by the, by the power of the Spirit of God in his speech, the second half of verse 18. We see that in the life of Peter in Acts 2 and 3 where he stands up after doing these powerful things and proclaims the gospel and people come to Christ. And we see here Paul is enabled by the Spirit of God to do supernatural works like Jesus and the gospels. We see that apostles in the early part of Acts and here he says, I just do the signs and wonders. I produce that the things that I do are signs pointing to who Jesus is. There are wonders, and the wonders speak to God, not to me, right? Paul's doing these things. Paul's ministry included the supernatural works of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't his power. We already named that in verse 18. It was the power of God's Spirit. Therefore, the legacy Paul leaves behind, it's on the screen, is a life submitted and committed to the power of God's Spirit in his life. What legacy did he leave behind? He leaves a legacy of a life submitted and committed to the power of God's Spirit in his life. A lot of you have heard of a guy named David Platt. He was a friend of mine in college. I had an opportunity to spend just a couple of hours with him three Saturdays ago. 
We had a reunion of all the students who were involved at the Wesley Foundation from 1991 all the way to 1999. And it was just a powerful time of people I was friends with and loved. This was campus student ministry, uh, University of Georgia. And so he and I were discipleship buddies and accountability partners for about two years, right? He's a, and he's done incredible things, right? But we had a conversation back then at Cookies and Company. It was my favorite place to go in Athens at the time. We'd go there almost uh, every once a week. And we'd sit down and eat a sandwich and have a cookie, and we would get done. But one day, we were talking, and I said, hey, let's just talk about the power of God's Spirit. Let's talk about the power of God's Spirit. This is 23 years ago. Let's talk about the power of God's Spirit. And we got in this long hour-and-a-half conversation about the, 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 the signs and wonders, the working of God's Spirit, the miracles that God did, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, right? All the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Had a long conversation about it, and we basically disagreed. That was just the, the nutshell. We just disagreed. He viewed it differently than I do, and I viewed it differently than he did. And we had this, like, conversation. We obviously agreed upon Jesus. We agreed upon the Holy Spirit, right? Beautiful conversation, but we just kind of agreed to disagree. We just were in different places with things, but we just had this whole, but we had a, but we had different viewpoints, and it was fine. But we walked away, and I recognized me, and he and I just have a different viewpoint on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the working of God's Spirit, and the things that the Spirit of God can do. Fast forward 20-something years. We're sitting there at the table three Saturdays ago, and he said, Steve, he's like, and I mean, listen, I have not, I've seen David one time in 23 years. We literally saw each other for like five minutes at an event where he was speaking. We just happened to cross paths and talk, right? And he sat down, he said, Steve, I regret not listening. This is what he told me at the table. I regret not listening to you that day 23 years ago at the table. I said, what? I knew what he was talking about. I didn't think he would remember. And he goes, there's something happening at our church right now in Washington, D.C. He said, it's all connected to the power of God's spirit, the movement of God's spirit. We're seeing things and the signs and wonders talked about in the New Testament. They're just breaking out at church, and I am lamenting right now because if I had just listened then, I wonder how different my ministry and the things I've experienced, how different it would be today. And I just looked at him and said, bro, I told you so. No, I didn't say that. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I didn't say that. But I wish I had. No. I definitely thought it, guys. Anyway, it was a powerful conversation. We just began to talk through that. And, and the idea was, I mean, it was simple. I mean, David's a couple years younger than me. I said, well, bro, just start now, man. Just finish strong, my man. He's like, I'm planning on it. I mean, I've talked with him for two hours. I fell more in love with Jesus. It was powerful, right? All right, verse 20. Keep on going. Uh, thing, but I, yeah, finish. No, that's the idea of like living this life submitted and committed to the power of God's spirit in your life. Leave it as a legacy. Verse 20. It has always been my ambition, Paul says. It's always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Basically what Paul is saying in that last phrase, he says, I just want to go places where people haven't been. That's all he's getting at. He's like, I just want to go places people have never been and never preached the gospel. I want to go to unreached people groups is what basically what he's saying here, right? But he says, my ambition, my ambition is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I love this. The word here for ambition is the Greek word. It's on the screen, uh, philatomeomai. 
philatomeomai. I practiced that, yes, right? Listen to someone speak that. You can go to, you can go to, what is it, blue, blue, uh, what's it, what's it called? Blue, blue letter Bible, thank you. Blue letter Bible, and they can pronounce all the Greek words, super helpful. But philatomeomai, here it means this, to be motivated by love for Jesus and to work hard to honor him. Listen, work, the, the word work has this, can have an unfortunate connotation. We think we're working for something, to prove something, to earn something from God. But I will tell you this. I felt pressure this week because of my love for Randall to work hard to make Mother's Day something special because I wanted to honor her. Right? Does that make sense? Like, I love her, so I want to honor her, so I want to work to make something happen. And that's what it is. I know she loves me. I know she's for me, right? I know that I don't have to prove something to her, right? It's just this piece. I want to do it. And I hope you did something like, don't think we didn't think she's anything huge and grandiose. Don't worry. But it was just this piece, right? This piece of saying, I want this to be something for her. This is the idea. And our culture ambition usually implies selfish ambition, working hard to promote self. But here Paul is about proclaiming, Paul is speaking about proclaiming the gospel out of love for Jesus and working hard to honor him. Loving Jesus and working hard for him is Paul's legacy. Because I love him, I want to honor him and I want to give everything to him. What a legacy to leave behind For the church here in Romans and all throughout the churches he spoke at, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, right, and others. Listen, moms and everyone else here, you are leaving a legacy, whether you know it or not. And here's the point. You're leaving a legacy whether you like it or not. That's important. Whether you know it or not and whether you like it or not. In fact, all of you are. For those of you who are in middle school and sitting here, you're leaving a legacy for all the people who are around you, if you're in high school, how you're living is leaving a legacy for those that are around you. For those who are in college and home from college, welcome. The life that you're living is leaving a legacy. Moms and dads, the life that you're living is a legacy, leaving a legacy, whether you know it or not and whether you like it or not. So what are you imparting to others? What legacy are you leaving? And more specifically, are you leaving a gospel legacy? A legacy like Paul and like my mom that speaks to your love, commitment, enjoyment, and obedience to Jesus. I don't say this to shame. Listen, if you receive that as shame, that's not the Lord. Shame is to all of a sudden to cause you to hate yourself and to look down and not do anything about it. But conviction says this is truth that you're not leaving a legacy, but it causes you to look up and say, but Jesus can help. That's conviction. And so we want to have a conviction this morning with the legacy that we're leaving, but that we write, write our own obituary. I would say write your own obituary in the presence of Jesus and ask him to help you write that out because he has thoughts on the matter. Paul left the gospel legacy. Again, the three things, again, they're not on the screen, but I already named them. He left the legacy of a conviction that an effective life, an accomplished life, requires divine enablement, not a belief in self. He leaves a legacy of a life submitted and committed to the power of God's spirit in his life. And he leaves a legacy of a life of ambition for the good news of Jesus. He lived for the gospel to share it with everyone who needed it. This morning... What would your obituary say? What would your loved ones, your family, your friends, your coworkers, what would they say about you? And again, if you don't like it, change it. 
Good news, you're not dead yet, so you can. You can. Let's pray this morning. Father, I again just thank you for our moms. Thank you for the mother heart that you've placed into all of them. God, I'm thankful, God, for for the legacy that they're leaving. And I'm thankful this morning, God, that you're going to change some people's legacy by the things you do in their lives. And I thank you in advance for your Holy Spirit conviction to remind us of everything that Jesus said, to convict the world of sin and of righteousness, and to speak things that we need to know. We just invite you to speak that this morning, Jesus. Father, I pray today those who are walking in some level of condemnation. I pray those this morning, God, who are walking defeated. God, I have great compassion for these moms this morning. I pray, God, for supernatural Holy Spirit infusion of hope this morning. That, God, they would know your presence God, they would be like as if the sun is breaking into a cold room. And they begin to just to, to melt and to all of a sudden fall out. Holy Spirit would just say, come and do what you do. Thank you, Lord. encourage you this morning if you're sitting next to your mom I encourage you to take some time and pray for her if your mom is not here today take some time and pray for her if your mom is no longer with us take some time and thank God for the positive things that she did in your life and the legacy that she left behind if you come today and there are things that you're carrying and you're longing for breaks, no matter what it is in your life, we'll have ministry teams available on both sides. <clears throat> they would love to pray for you this morning, pray for breakthrough, pray for salvation, pray for healing, whatever it may be for you this morning. We just believe as we pray that God moves, and so we want to take some time and do that for you this morning. We take some time and just live in a ask God to stir a heart of thankfulness in you. I encourage you to come and remember the, the body broken and the blood poured out for you, the act of love of Jesus, for the purpose that then all who would believe because of the work that he's done to make a way for you to enter into relationship with him, that you would take communion and celebrate that and remember and the life and the grace of Jesus will flow through you. So I encourage you to take communion this morning. We'd like to worship this morning through tithes and offerings. The baskets are here. They are every Sunday where there's a giving little box with a mailbox on the way out to slid. I encourage you, so it's a slit on top of that, excuse me. encourage you just to worship through tithes and offerings this morning. It is a life laid down as we give of our finances back to the Lord. It's a powerful act of worship. But you respond however the Lord leads this morning. If you need to take some time and worship, worship. If you need to take some time and just pray before the Lord, pray. If you have struggle, even historically or, or around this idea of mom, 
I encourage you to get someone to pray for you in that and just to be honest about that struggle. We recognize this can be a difficult day for some. All in all, we just recognize God loves you. God is for you. He has made a way for you in the desert. He has living water for you to drink. His burden is easy and his yoke is light and he invites everyone to come today and partake of his fullness. Do you respond as the Lord leads? I'll come close us out.